your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of Retirement Matters. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast. As always, we appreciate your time. Mark here alongside Michael Stewart. Mike, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing very well, getting ready for the Thanksgiving season. I know, right? At the time of our podcast taping here, Thanksgiving is next week, a week from tomorrow. So, yay, big fun. Are you a Thanksgiving guy? Uh, I am. I'm I'm a big uh, pecan pie guy, so anytime I can get that and blame it on the holiday, I'll take it. Okay, nice. Very nice. My mom makes a killer pecan pie. Southern gal, been making them forever and a day, so she's uh, she's 78 now, and so she's been making them for a long time, and man, I I don't really like pecan pie anytime except for Thanksgiving, and I can't usually do more than like two pieces because it's so, you know, like decadent and rich and yummy, but man, it's good. (laughs) I agree. I'm not a sweet guy, but yeah, always fall for the pecan pie. I'm telling you what, I'm right there with you. Well, we're going to get into the program, so let's kick it off. Let's dive into our headline news. Extra, extra, read all about it. All right, so I wanted to ask you about, um, well, the the election, obviously, stuff. It it looks like we're whittling down, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Every time I say we're whittling down, then somebody else decides they're going to throw their name in the the ring, Uh, even at this late juncture. What is the Bloomberg guy? Um, I think he's wanting to toss his name in and somebody else at the last second. But anyway, it appears, just for the sake of the argument anyway, that it might be Trump, Biden, and Warren. Any thoughts on how the market might uh, might react, Mike? And it's just just speculation, but any thoughts? Obviously, we creeped up over twenty eight thousand for the first time ever uh, on the Dow last week. We're right there at it, pretty close to it this week. What, what's your thoughts? Uh, I think you're optimistic that they're going to get it down from the eighteen candidates <laughs> just down to two or three. But you're, yeah, let's let's go with that one. You're just right. For, you're for right. The sake of today, I, I think, especially as it relates to you know, so this isn't a political statement. It's more about the stock market, and the economy, sure. Think, as, yeah. far our, as far as our podcast, but historically, the actual presidential candidate has really meant very little. Every four years during this presidential election cycle, there's always this saber rattling about how this candidate, and it could be any one of them, how they're going to wreck the economy and they're going to crash the markets. And you can go back to Dewey and Truman in the late 40s, and you know you see that headline, you know, uh, you know where Dewey's supposed oh, the, to beat Truman, the mistaken you know, one, and, yeah. and that's not how it turned out. The world was shocked, and there was calls that the economy and markets were going to tank. Yet the market for the next four years plus averaged over 20% annual gains before Eisenhower took office. Hmm, So it can be misguided. Even when Obama was campaigning, the Republicans were clamoring about how bad his liberal policies would be, yet we recovered from the financial crisis that he inherited. In the evening of 2016, if you remember, I don't know if you were up late night, you know, after the presidential election. It's, you know, when it looked like that Trump was going to win, the Dow Jones sold off over a thousand points overnight in the futures market only to bounce back, and then now here we are at all-time highs. So my thoughts are really twofold on this topic of the impact of presidential candidates and elections. First, the candidate, despite their policies, are never as important as we might think in the long run. Sure, in the short run they might be, but in the long run, not only are they going to be forgotten, but their policies will too. Second, this really speaks specifically to those you know, on the right to think, you know, Warner Sanders presidency or on the left are concerned about a second Trump term, as long as the other party holds a majority in either the House or the Senate, that president's grand ambitions, be it Republican or Democrat, is always going to be in check. You know, the House brings up bills, the Senate votes on them, and then the president gets to sign or veto them. And I don't know if you remember, I mean, I, I grew up early 70s and they had the old schoolhouse rock, you know, where oh, I'm yeah. just a bill, I'm just on a bill. Hill, that's so right. be a law. 
well, you know, hope and pray that I will, but today I'm still a bill. You know, that was the, you know, it was one of my favorite ones. But unfortunately, unless one party gets the House, the Senate, and the presidency, which is unlikely, it's just going to be more gridlock and not a lot's going to get done. You know, and that's why just, you know, as we tell our clients, you know, let's not worry about who's going to be elected, you know, vote for who you want to. That's a very American thing to do. Let's focus on our plan going forward, independent of who's in the White House. Yeah, I think that's good advice. And do you want to sing that a little bit? I'm just a bill. Just <laughs> on Capitol Hill. There you go. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> that was a great one. Absolutely. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think if you go back and look historically, it doesn't really alter that much. Some may make the argument that this particular market run after Trump's election uh, maybe was more affected than any others. But I mean, you can make an argument for anything. That's almost like saying, you know, who's the best running back in the NFL or whatever. Everything's subjective. So uh, I think that's good advice. And with that, we will turn our attention to our main topic this week and it kind of in a way kind of works with what i was just asking you uh, our main topic is going to be you know how to not hopefully not sabotage our own retirement you know michael there's so many things in the financial world that we cannot control like who's who gets you know i mean to a degree like who gets elected but what they're going to do once they get elected you know things like uh, taxes and all those kinds of different things that we cannot control so why in the world would we want to sabotage our own retirement by the things messing up the things excuse me that we can control so here's a few places and you tell us some ways to hopefully not sabotage yourself and we'll start with the market since that was our lead off question uh, obsessing about the short-term ups and downs yeah warren buffett said that the reason people make money on their homes later in life and because they've held them for a while uh-huh. is that when they sell them is that they don't get a monthly statement you know and that changes a little bit now with like apps like zillow and that where you could just type in and say okay my home's worth more it's worth less you know so people are still kind of doing that but you know years ago he said the reason people make a lot of money on their house over time is because since they don't get a monthly statement Basically, it could go up or down in value, but you don't pay attention to that because you know at the end, everything should be okay. And what he's referencing is the need that some people feel that they have to do something. You know, the market's up, the market's down, you know, and sometimes just sitting tight is the best choice in the long run. So if the markets are up, people are saying, oh, I wonder if I should sell because, you know, anything could happen now. Market drops, I got to sell because it could be another 2008. Dalbar came out, they're an investment research company, and they put out an annual survey Uh, about investor behavior. It's called the QAIB, the Quantitative Analysis of Investor Behavior. For our purposes, we'll call it the QAIB. It takes a look at rolling 20-year periods and shows what did the market return do over the last 20 years, and what did the average balance portfolio do, and what did the average investor do during that same 20 years. Now, realistically, they should be pretty close in return if everybody's just buy and hold, stay in the course, and, and working towards their plan. But every year for the last 20, 30 years, the results have shown the same thing. And here's the results that just came out for the last 20 years. This takes you from 1999 to 2018. The S&P 500, if you were only in the S&P 500, it's averaged 5.6%. Not the 10% that everybody expects, but remember we had a pretty bad first decade there with two bear markets, but 5.6%. A balanced portfolio of about 60% stocks, 40% bonds is averaged about 5%, so not too far off. And even if you were just 100% in, in the bond index, you would have made about four and a half percent. So, you know, there's about a 1% swing either way between some of the more conservative things and some of the more aggressive. But the more important thing is that the average investor who had a balanced fund averaged 1.87%. So why would the distance be so great between those two? 
it's almost a three-time difference between it, and it's because of what you're talking about, obsessing about short-term ups and downs. You're getting out at the wrong time. You're getting in, you know, you're getting in buying when it's high because it feels good. But then the problem is you're selling when things go down, and when you do that, what you know, all you're doing is you're buying, you're buying high and selling low. You know, and that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and with the markets basically setting records every other week, it seems over the last you know uh, year, year and a half or whatever, it's easy to get kind of lulled into this. Oh, let me jump on this or let me jump on that, and you're moving all around. And to the point that you just made, you're just not doing yourself any service. So again, don't sabotage your own retirement by obsessing about the short terms up and ups and downs of the market. That's number one. Number two, uh, Social Security, as usual, always pops up in there, and a lot of times it comes into the wrong time like kicking it on you know most people i guess the tendency and you tell me mike but most i think the tendency is most people turn it on as soon as they're eligible at 62 for a myriad of reasons yeah nearly 40 percent studies show from the social security administration nearly 40 percent so just a little bit under half of individuals turn on their social security at about 62 right uh, you know in which you know they give up a 25 to 30 percent haircut or lower lifetime benefit now that may be right or wrong and i'll, I'll kind of go through that but when it comes to social security nearly everyone has it wrong some take it at 62 like we discussed which is the earliest and many times it's because they worry well you know if i die that's money left on the table and some are going to wait until 70, only about 14 or 15% wait until 70, because that's the maximum amount that you'll get over your lifetime. Now, in my 20 years as a financial planner, the truth lies somewhere in between. The decision on when to claim Social Security doesn't have to coincide with when you actually retire. A lot of people try to line those two things up, but they don't have to. If you have other resources saved, you may retire early and use those resources to bridge retirement income and let your Social Security grow. Or if we run the numbers, you might decide to take your Social Security early rather than tapping into some of those other assets if they're performing better. So you do have options. Now, I will tell you kind of as a caveat to that is if you haven't saved much for retirement and Social Security is going to be the biggest driver of your income for the next 30 years in retirement, then you got to wait until 70 because that's going to be the largest part of your income and give you a rising income. But if you've saved and accumulated Let's say you've done a really good job of savings like a lot of our clients and prospective clients that come to see us and you got a large IRA or 401k or you've done well saving or with a business, now you have options. So what I share with clients that are good savers is that it's possible that if you want to retire, if possible, in your go-go years, and these are usually your early to mid-60s you know, and last through about your mid-70s, it's when you have your best health when you're in retirement, you got more energy and you get to do all the things you worked so hard for. Because once you get to about your mid-70s going into your 80s, you're going to slow down a little bit. Some healthcare things are going to creep up. So, you know, when you take Social Security, shouldn't be made in a vacuum. It should be based on what other resources do I have and how do I want to spend the first decade of my retirement? Ideally, you'd like to spend it where you're not concerned about how much income you have and so you can freely spend without worrying about running out of money later. But at the same time, you get to do all the things you work so hard for so you can enjoy those go-go years. All right. Very, very good information here on the podcast, Retirement Matters. And of course, you know, don't forget, folks, as always, uh, Mike is at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, and they are a one-stop shop uh, with that CPA, enrolled agent, and paralegal all on staff. So uh, we hopefully can try to help you when it comes to things that, you know, matter in retirement, hence the name of the show. And of course, if you hear something useful or a nugget or two that piques your interest, as always, never take any action without checking with a qualified professional, and you can reach out to 
Michael if you need to at 815-526-3092. 815-526-3092. All right, so a couple more here on our uh, sabotaging our own retirement. You know, doing the ostrich thing, Michael, pretending that nursing home, and I use nursing home as the terms. I know it could be any kind of a long-term care thing, but I think that's the term that just terrifies most people. So we tend to pretend like it's just so far out there. Well, even though I'm only 60 or whatever, you know, it's probably going to be at least 20 more years before something like that even comes up or whatever. That's just a recipe for uh, disaster and a good way to sabotage yourself by kind of ignoring it. Yeah, I agree. The biggest risk associated with long-term care needs is not addressing it while you still can. You know, so to the point you're saying, oh, well, you know, that's probably 20 years away and you're right. Right. But you need to address it while you're still healthy enough to get coverage or whatever you need to do to mitigate it, either save more or get a long-term care policy or hybrid policy, whatever that might be. And the sweet spot for that is usually around your mid-50s to mid-60s while you still have your health. You're still going to have some earning years ahead of you. That's when you look at potential long-term care solutions that can reduce the out-of-pocket costs later in life. Now, studies have shown that when a couple reaches 65, there's over a 75% chance that one of them is going to require some sort of long-term care. And with home health care averaging about $45,000 a year, at least in Illinois, and full-blown nursing home at about $120,000 in Illinois a year, I, all I do is I ask clients, if you needed care today, how would you pay for it? And that begins the conversation. Are we just going to pay for it? You know, if we've got about $3 million or more, we might not need long-term care insurance. If we've got less than $500,000, then we probably don't have the resources that we could set aside to kind of you know, mitigate that. But if we're somewhere between that half a million to $3 million of net worth and investable assets, then there's strategies you can implement. You know, Peel off a small portion of your net worth to take, make sure that what we can do is minimize what the financial impact on your family and your savings are going to be. You know, and yet, but you have to be proactive and you have to do it before you need it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the kicker. You know, a lot of us do want to send it on down the road because it's not fun to think about that you might need some of those services or it's not fun to think about aging sometimes and the things that come with it. But um, it's certainly going to be more cost effective if you talk about it earlier and make some take some action, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, All right. Two more. Uh, This one's kind of a a bit more of a a upbeat one, I suppose, kind of a fun one in a way. A lot of folks, Michael, who say, man, I I love what I do. I'm just so happy. I'm fortunate to where I'm at. I, I enjoy my job so, so very much. And a place you can sabotage yourself is assuming that because you like it or love it, even for the last decade or two decades, maybe, that you will always like it and love it. And the closer you get to retirement, that that may start to change. No, that, yeah, that's a funny one because when I want to meet with prospective clients at our conference table, you know, just kind of doing our discovery meeting, find out you know what their story so far is and what right. they want it to be, is you know I say, oh, you know, when would you like to retire if they're already not? And I only get one or two answers. You know, one and the most prominent is yesterday. Yeah. You know, and that's that's when they say yesterday. How can I make that happen? You know, say okay, well, let's worry about tomorrow instead of you know yesterday. Or they say, I you know, that's when they say I hate my job. Or I plan on working until seventy. I love my job. You know, hence this question. Now, for those that answer that they plan on working longer, one of two things usually happens. Kind of in my experience, one, there's some event that continuing to work happens that it's no longer their decision. Well, we just dealt with a client who was 64, planned on work until 70 when we built the plan. Uh, you know, very good saver. They've done well for the lives. They could retire today if they wanted to and was just announced that the company is merging with another company and his position in his department overlaps with the other one. So he'll no longer be necessary, you know, is the polite way that they said it after 25 years with one company. 
So, you know, whether it's a layoff, whether it's downsizing, and sometimes it's health issues. You know, we don't know what the future holds. So we want to plan for it either way. The second thing is when we put our retirement success blueprint plan together, we show how they can have a safe and secure retirement, whether they retired now or if they want to keep working, but it's a, their choice. It's not based on the whims of a company, the economy, something else. And that just gives them the clarity and control of just knowing that if they choose to retire sooner than later, that's an option, but it's a, their choice because we've planned for it. And that's very empowering for people. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's a good one to think about because it can't happen for a number of reasons. Uh, or maybe you just wake up one day and you go, man, I just don't want to do this anymore. So lots of different things in there. And the final one here, Michael, for sabotaging our own retirement is not identifying how much we need to spend to have or maintain the lifestyle we want. And maybe this is more future proofing than anything else, because a lot of people I do think go into it saying I need X number of dollars now. And they don't really necessarily think about that X number of dollars going up 10 years into retirement and then 20 years into retirement and so on and so forth. Absolutely. And this is the key to everything that we do. Uh, We stress it's no longer about accumulation. It's all about income and retirement. You can't pay your bills with paper gains, you know, hoping the market goes up. Monthly bills need monthly income. So when we put together that retirement success blueprint, it's all about how much money we can get, how much income we can get from our investments today in retirement. And is that going to be sustainable? predictable and come in independent of whether the market is up or down. It also has to provide a strategy for rising income because we understand in five, 10 years, everything's going to be a little bit more expensive than it is today. So not only do we got to make sure we've got enough sustainable, predictable income to pay today's bills, but we have to have some kind of a driver of additional growth so that we could tap into for a rising income later. And that's all about just all these questions are all about just having a plan that shows you exactly how much retirement income you have coming in and gives you permission to spend. Because I'll tell you, in our for our client base, having the ability of knowing in, let's say if you, they've got a million dollars with us and you know the portfolio just from interest and dividends alone is gonna kick in 40 to $50,000 a year to supplement the remainder of their social security pension and that, that gives them peace of mind of knowing it. If they spend that 40 or 50, next year it's going to automatically like clockwork generate the 40 or fifty thousand dollars of interest and dividends again because of some of the income strategies we use and it gives them permission to travel it gives them permission to spend money on the grandkids and it also just gives them peace of mind because they're not worried about what's going on in the markets necessarily at least not with the money that we've set aside for their income well if it sounds weird to you to say you know getting permission you'd be surprised at the number of people who actually kind of do need that because you get into that habit and you're thinking i don't want to see my numbers go backwards and so sometimes I, I know that winds up popping up a lot for financial advisors as they have to let the client know it's okay to spend some of the money that you've saved uh and so that's kind of where that statement kind of comes from so there you go folks that's our sabotaging your retirement don't make some of these mistakes uh, or hopefully try to do some things to mitigate or uh, circumnavigate some of these things and of course great thing about a podcast is you can always go back and listen to it again. You can share it with others. Go to crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. You'll see the podcast page there. Uh, you can click on that. You can share it. And you can listen to past episodes, future episodes, and subscribe, of course, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, or whatever platform you choose. All right. And finally, while you're there, if you want to send an email question, you can. And here is one from Helen. She's in Barrington. And she says, Michael, are there really no tax implications to rolling over my 401k? I do not like the investment options in it, uh, but I don't want to roll it over and get hit with a tax bill either. 
Yeah, Helen, it's a great question. One that all those in or nearing retirement should really know. Now, as long as you roll over your 401k to an IRA, an individual retirement account, then the balance is tax-free transfer and no taxes are due until you begin to take that money out of the IRA at a later date. Now, you did mention that you're close to retirement and you don't really like the investment choices in your 401k and you're not really alone. And here's why. 401ks are meant for those working and contributing to the 401k over the long term to accumulate your retirement savings. They're not really designed to be the conservative account that you might need in retirement or as you're approaching retirement where you really want some more conservative choices and you want income. Most 401ks are typically going to have about 30 different mutual funds to choose from. The irony though, especially for someone like yourself, Helen, who's close to retirement, is that 26 of these are going to be in stock funds, you know, in the market, and maybe they've got three or four bond funds or stable value money market type funds. And here's the problem. The 26 stock funds, your large cap, small cap, mid cap, international, all those things are great when you're 20, 30, 40 years old and it's all about risk on. You're keeping your head down, you're adding money every paycheck, hoping it's worth more 20, 30 years later. Then the 401k will give lip service to say, hey, we've got some more conservative investments here. Look, here's a few bond funds that pay you 2 3% or so. But the problem for somebody that's 59, 60, maybe 63, is that at the time you're approaching retirement, this is likely going to be the largest amount of money you've ever saved for your entire life. You're within a few years of actually retiring, and you need to protect what you saved for this money for your family, and you're going to need to live on it for the next 30 years. But your only options in that 401k are really those two or three low-paying bond funds. So what we share with clients is what's called an in-service rollover. And Helen, you might want to ask your HR department about this. And I mentioned earlier that a rollover is a tax-free transfer until you take that money out of the IRA. But even if you're still working for the company and you plan to for a while, the law states in many cases that if you're 59 and a half or older, most 401k plans will actually allow you to do what they call an in-service rollover. It's where you roll over or transfer the amount that you're vested in your 401k to an IRA while you're still working. You still get to contribute to the plan. You still get your company match. But the money that you've saved in that plan, you can actually roll that out into an IRA. So now you have the entire universe of investment options available to you. So if you don't like those within your 401k or you want something maybe a little bit more conservative and protected or maybe yields a little bit better, that gives you an option. So Helen, as long as the 401k is handled as a rollover to another tax deferred IRA, then to answer your question, taxes are not a concern. But what you may want to call us about is that in-service rollover opportunity so you can still earn a reasonable rate of return on your retirement money without all the risk of the market necessarily. All right. Well, there you go. Great question. Great answer. As always, folks, before you take any action on things like this, make sure you do check with a qualified professional, uh, either talk with your advisor or call Michael at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092 before you take any action. And as usual, make sure you go to the website, subscribe to the podcast, uh, crystallaketax.com. Again, that's crystallaketax.com. Michael's the founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, serving you here in the Crystal Lake area. So there you go. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much. That's going to wrap it up for this podcast this week of Retirement Matters. I hope you have a fantastic turkey day, and I'll talk to you sometime after that. Enjoy your Thanksgiving and your mom's pecan pie. Absolutely. You do the same, and we'll see you next time right here on Retirement Matters.
investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation, and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities.